What's up, Cashflow Contractors? We have a great episode this week with Carl Becker. It is about sales success, and it's really just a refreshing conversation. I love everything that he talked about here, and it really resonated with both Martin and I. I know it will resonate with you. And it just got me motivated about being really a better individual, a better leader for my team and my company, and approaching sales with really a long-term approach. Um, I think all of the advice that he gives is really practical. Uh, and it's also something that just makes you want to have better, a better approach to how you step into your business, but also into your family, into your relationships day in and day out. So wonderful conversation with Carl Becker. We've got links in the show notes for everything around him, but check out the conversation. Also, before you go, subscribe to, the, to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if that's where you listen. So become a subscriber on YouTube our newsletter, all the things. We're really trying to make sure that we've got a connection with our audience on all these platforms. It helps us have more success. So we'd appreciate it if you would do that. If you're, if you're listening to this, give us five stars, give us a thumbs up. We appreciate all you do to listen for us. And uh, we, we just want to continue to give back to you. So enjoy the conversation with Carl Becker. Less stress, more time more money welcome to the cash flow contractor interview martin what are the uh what does a december typically look like for you we're in the last month of the year <laughs> we got christmas on i know the books. i have it's it's funny that you say that because i'm not scrooge i do love christmas love to have people around <laughs> like the holidays but i've always not liked from november from thanksgiving to january and I've always been in a business for myself mm -hmm. and things stop, slow down and lots of different industries, they slow down. The revenue kind of goes away. Well, let's talk about that after the first of the year. Yeah. And then you call back after the first of the year and say, well, there's a shadow, right? Yeah. Well, let us get our feet back on the ground and we'll start talking in <laughs> January 15th. And I've just, I mean, I really hadn't thought about that till you asked the question, but I've always not liked that. If you're getting a paycheck and I'm not, there's no, I'm not denigrating that. I get, you get the same paycheck, you know, twice a month in November, twice a month in December. It kind of doesn't matter, but always being somebody who wanted to sell and have activity, it's been a shadow. Mm -hmm. Now that may not have been what you were looking for. I love oh, this exactly. time of year, what, but what I is, don't like that. What I was going after, we're talking about sales today and I know for a lot of people, December's usually the time that they're looking for a discount in sales. I know that I've done that before. Like I'm going to wait till the end of the year when they're going to meet this quota and it's coming up close for the salesperson. I'll purchase then. And then also, um, I have like four, because I do that, I have like four uh, annual renewals on contracts in December. <laughs> I'm like stacking cash, getting ready for these big bigger than normal bills to come through that I don't have monthly. So that's kind of, that was what I was going after. But I agree. It is this. Well, my, my is essentially a sales issue. That's what it is. Yeah. You just can't, it's always been more difficult to engage with our clients. Well, whom we've, we've got industrial. a sales expert here, Carl, welcome to the show. Yeah. What do you, how do you handle this situation? So, uh, thank you. Um, it's so funny that you're saying this because I've been having these conversations <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm going to give a little teaser. You know, one of the things that we talk about in my book, Iceberg Selling, is uh, being a service mindset. And the other one is lifetime value mindset. I'm sure we'll get to those a little bit later. But what I like to do 
this time of year is actually what can I do ahead of time that primes us. So if they do want to start in January, we're locked and loaded. We're ready to go. So I'll give you an example. I've got a, a client I'm about to kind of ramp up here. And their goal for next year is to rebuild their sales organization. So I'm telling them right now, awesome. In December, let me understand the org chart. Let me understand your value proposition. Let me understand who's on your team currently. So that when we book this time on you know, January 8th, um, we're ready to go. And that way you're not lagging your goals right away. And I think it applies to other things, right? Like if, if you're selling, there's something you're solving. You're a guide. You're helping somebody achieve something. So why not prep it? You know, if I was a fly fishing guide, I might be able to say, hey, before you get here, let me, tell me who's coming. Oh, you're an 80-year-old father? I'm going to take you to this part of the stream where it's going to be easy for him to access. Let me do some planning so that when, when we do go, we're ready to go. So I think there's like this ability to like sell now and show that you're compressing time and being a service to that person so that when they are ready to go, boy, are they ready to go. But it is hard. I'm not going to discount that. This is a tricky time of the year. Yeah, it is. I have more canceled meetings in December than almost, I think, every other month. It's It's got to be December. Um, but anyways, neither here nor there. We're talking about sales. So Carl, why don't you give us a little bit of background into how you are got into this you know, guide position that you're in as a sales coach? You know, without going too far back, you know, kind of saying like, hey, you know, let me, the, the story starts with the earth cooled, right? And then dinosaurs came. I'm not going to go that far back. But I will tell you this, like as a, as a young person, as a young kid, I think I was always independent. And I just, I just liked ideas. I like talking to people. I, I was the kid that knocked on doors selling the raffle tickets or Girl Scout cookies with my sister. I just liked doing that. And I think it's because um, I like I like sharing a vision and then helping someone go on that vision. And you know, think about it if 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 you know you're helping someone with a remodel or whatever it might be, they have a vision. The more you can help them have that vision, the more you can help them out, right? So it's kind of this idea of being creative. Sales to me is creative. It's helping people see something and move forward with it. So I I I've been an entrepreneur all my life uh, since I was a little kid mowing lawns. Uh, I joke that. You know, I probably shouldn't have gone to college. I probably should have kept mowing lawns because <laughs> when I was a senior in college, a senior in high school, I had like 30, 40 lawns and I had friends working for me. And then I walked away from that business, if you will, and, and went to college. But I, I often joke, wow, you know, what would have my life been like if I just kept doing that? But uh, all my life, I've run companies, um, been an entrepreneur. And over the years, uh, I realized that my calling, what I really love doing is supporting teams and people. In sales, in sales leadership, and you know, company owners and things like that. So, I now run a consultancy where we come in and build and upskill sales teams and individuals so that they have a higher functioning and I'd even say happier kind of positive culture uh, sales organization. Hmm. That's great. Go ahead, Martin. I know you got something. To you know, well, it's just funny you mentioned lawn lawn mowing. I'm sure you picked up on that, Khalil. But yeah, um, three of the wealthiest most successful people I know, and we're talking in the range of multiple hundreds of millions, one in the billions, started mowing lawns. I shouldn't have taken that off ramp then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, literally, that, that's it. And I, there's just something about it. And there are, there are other people I know that maybe aren't in that range, but, you know, it's, it's a responsibility, customers, you got equipment, you got, got to do yeah. the work. It just teaches you a lot of stuff. 
But sure, yes. yeah, when, as soon as you said that, I go, here we go. Here's another lawn mowing guy. <laughs> exactly. That's great. So Carl, you know, we, we've talked about sales in the past with contractors and I, you know, I like to think about it a little bit, how I categorize sales for contractors. You've got residential versus commercial, right? So you've got kind of a B2B aspect versus a B2C aspect. And then you've also got um, what I would say is like new construction contractors that are doing more bids um, and, and you know big pricing. Then you've got the service contractors who are doing more hourly or you know small project. It's usually an ur urgent type of service, like a repair um, or something like that. And then you've got the remodeling, which is you know can be kind of the in between in terms of price. It's not as bit as much as a new construction typically, not as small as a repair. Um, but those are kind of you have these six different categories if you take those three and then multiply it by the two. Contra, uh, con commercial versus residential, and all of them have different sales processes, right? There's the uh, service that is like, let's close the sale right now. We've got mm -hmm. the remodel that you're gonna, they're going to have to gather quotes. They've got to do a lot of different things to get there. Uh, and then you've got the, com especially on like commercial new construction, you're just throwing your bid into a bid list. You're d sometimes not even having a conversation or an email with someone. It's literally submit the PDF and we'll, we'll let you know. And so I, I hope that we kind of navigate through all these different areas as we, as we talk today and maybe give some solutions or some tips in each of those areas if possible. But I want to get into iceberg selling. What is it? I, the, what I'm thinking when I hear iceberg selling is, okay, there's 90% below the surface. Maybe that's off base, but why don't you tell us what iceberg selling is? Thank you. And you're right. So here's kind of the whole concept. And I think what you might find me today talking about a little bit when we explore iceberg sailing a little deeper uh, is both uh, how this works for what I'd call like external customers who we typically sell to, but also as business owners and leaders, we have internal customers, right? The guys that work for us. And so I, I, you might find me a little bit today talking about how these concepts can also apply to how you manage your team. And um, it's because oftentimes I find that selling uh, is really about communicating and, and helping people understand a new reality or move towards something that they want. And, and that's teaming, right? That's, that's also how we manage coach and team. So I'm just going to give you a little disclaimer. We're going to talk sales, but you might find me a couple of times saying, and imagine if you did this to, with your teammates, they're probably going to appreciate it too. So we, we might kind of blur the lines a little bit, but the whole concept with iceberg selling is everyone everything is an iceberg. So think about you as an iceberg, your spouse, your teammates, and all your customers and the challenges yeah. they give you as an iceberg. And why I tell you that is we only see about 10% of what's going on. That iceberg, like you said, icebergs, you only see about 10% above the waterline. If you think about that movie, Titanic, right? That, that's the whole point, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, unfortunately, they hit this iceberg because they couldn't see it because so much of it's underwater. So that other 90% is under the iceberg. And with all of us, including, like I said, ourselves and the people we communicate with, we're only usually showing about 10%. So the question kind of becomes, well, how do you solve someone's problem if you only see 10% of it? Hmm. And, and, and if you think about anything in your life, you, would, you wouldn't do that, right? That's too much risk. You don't know enough. So the whole concept with iceberg selling is how do you, how do you set yourself up to win? How do you like get really curious and start to explore more and more of that iceberg in a way that's relevant and curious and of service and, and, and that's no one feels like they're getting sold. They, they, mm. get, they feel like they're being understood. And as 
typically we get more and more, un- feel like we're more and more understood. We share more and more and more. Well, all of a sudden, instead of trying to solve someone's problem, looking at 10%, you might be looking at 30, 40 or 50 or 80%, which increases your odds of being able to be of service to them, to sell them something, to get in alignment. So the whole concept, even if you only take one thing away today is imagine how your life might be from day from now forward, if you started to see more and more what was really going on for other people and could meet them there, even help people see more and more what's going on for you so that they know how to meet you. So that's the whole concept in a, in a nutshell, uh, an iceberg in a nutshell. <laughs> so what are some of those ways that you do go deeper and get curious uh, about that other 90%? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the first thing is just a mindset of being curious, right? Um, there's there's kind of five steps I run through in the book and I'm happy to kind of do a high level there and then you can unpack or kind of talk about any of them after that. Does that work for you? Does that, yeah, is that all right? Please do. Please okay. do. So the, the whole idea with um, what I'm about to tell you is I want you to imagine, um, let's say, we'll just make it something I know a little bit more of as a homeowner. So a homeowner calls you and they want to talk about a project. All right. So at some level, maybe they've gotten a referral. They found you on Google. But, but they, they, they've invited you to a conversation, okay? So step one is to do the research. And the idea here is like, what do I already know? What city are they in? How big is their house? Maybe they told me what they want. Maybe they said, hey, my neighbor put on an addition. I, I really like that addition. Can you drive by and look at the neighbor and see what they did, right? What, what are the things you can do ahead of time that's research? Um, mm. And there's obvious ones. Like I'll give you a, a quick example. Um, my dad recently t- turned 80. So I was planning a surprise birthday party for him. Well, just some basic things. If, if you have family that's 80 years old, you know most of their friends are probably 70 to 90, right? That, that kind of makes sense. And mm-hmm. we also know that most older people, they don't want to drive at night. So I'm not going to plan a nighttime party for him, right? If you just think about some of the basics. So doing the research doesn't mean you have to like dig super deep ahead of time, but there's some obvious things that you can learn. And when you show up to that first call and you already know what those are, you've already set yourself apart from the competitors because you invested the time. So step one in this kind of journey we're going to talk about is just doing the research. You know, what can I learn ahead of time? So far, so good? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All right, I'll keep going. So the second one is setting yourself up for success, but it's also that other person. And I guess I would tell you is when, when, when you meet somebody, um, for example, for a sale, or anything, you kind of want to know where you're going to go. Imagine a trip with your kids, right? If you're really young and you want to go to Disneyland and you tell them it's 24-hour drive, they're going to flip out. But if you <laughs> say, hey, it's a 24-hour drive, but we're going to take three days, we're going to stop here and we're going to stop here and we're going to stop here. And guess what? There's world-famous ice cream here. It, they understand where they're going to go. It's easier for them to digest the, the end goal. So what I tell people is make sure you get clear with that person you're going to have the meeting with. Kind of get expectations set, get a roadmap set. So it might be something like, hey, homeowner, um, how about this? I'm going to come in, come to your, uh, your house. Uh, you might see me walking around for a couple minutes before I knock on the door because I just kind of want to look at it. Now, I've already, I'll probably have already driven by and seen your house before I come. So I don't want you to get creeped out if you see my truck twice because I just I really like to understand what I do before I show up. And then when we show up, I'd love to hear, you know, how long do you want to be in the house? Why do you want to build this addition? What's your family like? I really want to learn about you because if I can understand that, then I can give some, you some ideas. So potentially let's me, I'll learn some stuff 
And then I'd like to get to brainstorm. I'd like to start sharing some ideas with you and hopefully a couple make sense and we can kind of create those together. And then afterwards, um, if it seems to make sense, I'll tell you, I'll create a bid. And typically with a bid, what I do is I email it to you, but I like to schedule a time to walk you through it so that you can digest it the day before. Could we do that? Could we do that today? Yeah. I got to tell you, 51 years old. And I don't think I've ever had anyone say, no, <laughs> I don't want to do right. that. Carl. Right. Because it's clear. And if we get back to being a guide as a salesperson, I just guided them to help them get the answer that they want. So that's yeah. the second one. The third is what you're talking about. Like, how do you get clear on this person's iceberg? And here's the thing. A lot of times it starts with you, right? Some of the like quick back of the napkin coaching I like to give is ask somebody the question you want them to ask you. Hey, why'd you move to Colorado? I'm, I'm from Colorado. So I'm pretending I'm a contractor and someone, but you know, how, how'd you come to Colorado? Why'd you buy this house? You know, do you have kids in school? I've got kids in school. Like what is the question? And a lot of times back to building rapport, it's starting with you. So you might say, you know, this is a neighborhood I've always loved. I love this idea for an addition. We just did a remodel of my kitchen too. And it was really great. But I got to tell you, even as a contractor, there was some heartburn around there. And I'm going to take some of that heartburn. I'm going to share it with you today. Oh, really, Carl? What was the heartburn? And now we're in conversation. It's safe. We're exploring each other. We're meeting each other where we are. We're getting to know each other. I know those are a lot of like kind of fuzzy consultant words. So I'll break them down in a little bit easier. Just be authentic. Show up curious. You have a beautiful house. How long have you lived here? What does it look like? Are your parents moving in? Are your kids going to college? I'm really curious. Like, what's your life going to be like? My life, my kids are moving away to college here in a couple of years. All of a sudden, we're human. I, I guess what I'm trying to tell you with the iceberg is humanize it. Have a conversation like it's your buddy and you're having a beer at the bar. Just, just kind of be present and don't rush it. And uh, a lot of us have head trash. We can talk about that later. But I think the important thing is just being present. And then from there, I'll tell you the next two pieces of iceberg selling. And then I'll give you a chance to ask some questions since I'm kind of just going. <laughs> no, it's uh, good. It's good. Uh, you know, after you build rapport, here, wait, I'll, I'll do a sidebar here. Repeat back what you said. I know it's going to sound childish and you're going to be like, you really want me to repeat back what I said, but I'll tell you a real world story here because the whole idea with iceberg selling is how do I understand someone's world? What I mean by that is truly that what is a day in a life of Carl Becker? What's a day in a life of the person you're meaning like, and that's going to separate you from the competition. And I got to tell you, if you're a business owner or you're in sales, it actually probably feels pretty good to connect with somebody. So I had a, a sales call on Monday. Uh, this woman out of Tennessee calls me and uh, we start talking and I go, kind of tell me what's going on. What's your life like? What's your team look like? What do you wish it would be like in 2024? She explains all of this. And I said, hey, before I tell you some ideas, is it okay if I just repeat back what I think you told me to make sure I truly understand? She goes, yeah. And I repeat it back. She goes, oh my God, you totally nailed it. That's exactly right. And then I said, this is step four, testing for success. Hey, can, can I share some ideas? And can we talk through them together? This is kind of this co-create, be collaborative brainstorm. And we did. She's like, Carl, you totally understood me. That sounds great. And then here's the crazy thing about selling like this. The customer usually tells you what's next. So she says to me, this sounds great. What's next? I want to work with you. And what's next is we set an appointment that we can both agree to right there so that we don't start chasing people. We don't have to get in that crazy check-in zone of like, hey, did you get my email? Did you get the bid? that type of thing. Uh, I got an email from her an hour later and she said, thank you so much for your time. I truly felt supported and understood on this call. I just met her. That's crazy. But if you think about the power of that, you know, uh, she doesn't need to look anywhere else. 
She's found her person that gets her and gets her situation. So that's kind of the iceberg selling concept. And again, a nutshell, I guess, is my word for the day. Oh, that's really, really, really good. Uh, you hit on some things that we talk about, um, call it an expectations document, explaining the process, listening. I have two questions for you. One, most people I meet do not like to sell. Mm -hmm. Okay, they don't. And I want to ask you what your thoughts are on that. I have my opinions, but what your thoughts are on that. And the second, you said you talked to a lady in Kentucky or Tennessee or something like that. Tennessee. Um, Tennessee. Uh, and you're in a conversation with her, so it is personal. But I have clients who try to do all this by email. Mm -hmm. And and uh, I'd like you to, I mean, I, I can tell what your thoughts are going to be. But very little opportunity to create a relationship to create that contact, to look and, and look interested uh, with email. And therefore your bid is going to get judged on one criteria criterion. And that's what's the price. So those two things, why, why are people reluctant to sell? Uh, what can we do about it? And then how, how important is the in-person? I mean, I, I really like standing there. Right. But if you have to go 400 miles to stand there on a maybe bid, maybe it's not going to work. Yeah. Too quick. If those are questions. Uh, Martin, great question. Thank you. I like it. I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, I, I, um, I do think our, our nemesis, our enemy, if, if we were in a movie and we were the business owner or the person selling, you know, the, the villain we're up against is this, there's this salesperson in our mind that we see in the movies. Right. And it's the slick guy. He's going to convince you, force you, not listen, just kind of cram that order down. What do I need to do to get you to buy today? And none of us want to be that. None of us want to be seen as somebody that's pushy or manipulative uh, or a trickster. Like that's just not, that doesn't feel good. And if you're a business owner, I think you got into business to create value and to connect with people and, and be able to do what you love doing. And that, that, that kind of villain I just painted if you will, um, is counter that. So um, the first thing I would tell you, and then I'm going to tell you a story, is sales is not that. Okay, It's entertaining on these movies, Wolf of Wall Street, stuff like that. That's entertainment. But it's not selling. Selling is being of service. It's truly understanding someone. And the more you understand them, the more you're building rapport. And now when you give them a solution, you are a guide. You are of service. So to me, if we could change the mindset of I'm not selling, I'm guiding. And maybe that helps you put that on. And here's another crazy thing. Some of the best salespeople I know are uh, introverts. And, and you think about that in a movie, like a salesperson's not an introvert. They're out there. They're fun at the party. They're the one that's going to convince you to go to Vegas for the weekend and get in trouble. Like that's, that's who we think they are. But introverts are amazing salespeople because they care and they listen and they don't have to just keep talking and talking and talking. Hey. So there's clues there. But um, I want to tell you a story about what I call head trash. I was in Yes, we, we are familiar with head trash. Yeah, we, we use that term. We use that term. So I am in Houston and I'm running a workshop for about 30 early stage entrepreneurs. Now, that doesn't mean they're young. It just means their companies are young. So I've got people in their, in their 20s as well as people in their late 50s. And it's, a, it's about an all-day session. We're workshopping it. And... Uh, one guy kind of keeps raising his hand. He's telling stories about uh, he's going in to present his tech solution and everyone loves it. And then nothing happens. 
again and again and again. One of the things I also do in workshops is I, I do a, a, an icebreaker called the name game. It was like, how do you get your, how did you get your name? So everybody kind of does their origin story and he tells this origin story about his father. Really rich story. So it's done with the workshop. He comes up to me and he says, hey, do you do personal coaching? I said, yes, but my, my plane's four or five hours from now. Let's go outside and talk. If you really want to talk, no big deal. Let's talk. And he goes, really? Yeah. So we go outside and I said, what do you want to talk about, Tim? And he says, uh, selling, I suck at sales. I said, okay, tell me more about that. And he goes, well, uh, I'm really good at getting an appointment. I meet someone at a conference or I get a referral and then I go and I do a presentation and they're nodding their head and, you know, we're, we're getting excited and they can see how it works. And then when I talk to them, when I go in for the sale, and I was like, okay, big alert there. When you go in for the sale, that's, okay, that's the big red warming light. Yeah. I'll be closing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Back to the movies. And right. uh, he says, it just starts to fall apart. And I said, do you really want to explore this with me today? He goes, yeah, absolutely. And I said, well, I'm going to ask you some questions. It could go really deep. It could get really personal. Are you okay with that? Because if you're going to coach somebody, you, you, you kind of want to get permission, right? <laughs> or, or it'll feel like abuse. So uh, I said, I'm going to ask you a, a question. You've mentioned your dad a lot today in the, in the session, your origin story and some of these other stories, but you've also talked to me in a way that it sounds like he's not around. Did you recently lose your father? He, me like it hit and he's like, yeah, this summer. I said, okay, were you close? Yeah, very much. I said, okay. I said, you also told some stories about your father running his own business. And you kind of joked about when salespeople would come in, he'd give them a hard time. I said, this is, this question might really sting. Are you ready? He goes, yeah. And I said, when you sell, do you feel like you're letting your dad down because he sees you as a salesperson? And he starts kind of getting teared up and he's like, yeah, he can barely talk. And I was like, that's okay. I have that, I have that very issue too. Um, and I had to get over that. And I had to realize that I'm a guide and that there's certain things that I really care about. And that's why I got in the business that I got into. That's why you do the tech business that you do. You care about people, you care about solutions. That's why selling isn't this manipulation thing. Selling is caring, helping people understand and giving them a path forward. I said, Tim, I'd like you to try this next time. Invite that person to try your product. Don't sell them. Just say, hey, this has been a great conversation. I'd really like an opportunity to, to let you demo this. I'd really like you to give you an opportunity to try it and then give me some feedback because ultimately the reason I got into this business was to solve this problem. And if I can solve that problem for you, I'd love to know. And or if there's a modification or something you think I should do differently, would you tell me? He's like, that's all I need to do. That's all you need to do. And sure enough, over the coming months, I get emails and messages from him and it's working. But he had to kind of let go of, I'm going to call it a trauma. And I think a lot of us, maybe it's our parents, you know, damn salesperson or this car sales guy, he's always trying to, like, there's some story in our head that when we get out of our truck or we go talk to somebody, um, we're worried we're that person. And I guess my invitation is let it go. Let it go and reimagine yourself as just somebody there to help. It's your best friend. You're, you're in your best friend's living room and you really want to help him have this amazing addition. And I know we're kind of talking residential, but you, I, hopefully people get the idea, right? Yeah. If you're seeing a person you're talking to is someone that is a good friend of yours and they've reached out because they know you can you do great work and you can help them. So let's show up like that instead of like, oh my God, you know, if I ask them for the order, they're going to hate me. If I ask them for an next step, they're going to feel like all this rapport, all this friendship, 
just got flushed down the toilet because they think I'm going to be selling them now. That's just not true. I, I love that story. I have a similar one. I was uh, doing a presentation on financials to a veterinary, a large veterinary distribution company, a lot of guys in there. And the next morning I was just having breakfast before leaving and young guy walked up. He was from Holland, as a matter of fact, but he came over here and he said, do you do anything with sales? And I said, well, yeah, it's coaching, you know, but what kind of, have a seat. He yeah. said, man, I came over here and I'm responsible for equine veterinary products. And I said, he said, I don't know anything about selling. And I said, well, I got 20 minutes here. I said, tell me this, what are you thinking when you pull up to that rancher's uh, ranch? And I, you know, he said a few things, I was nervous. I said, but what, deep down, what are you thinking? He said, I need to get a sale. And I said, okay, if that's what you think, you're going to lose a lot. You're going to be a, you know, you're going to suffer because you are going in there knowing that you're asking this guy to give you something and people feel bad about that. Yeah. Not everybody, but a lot. I said, try this, go in there and find out five things he's unhappy with and five things that would be a dream for him get in a conversation and get them in sufficient detail that when you reach the end of the driveway, you can write them down. If you can't write down five things, well, I hate it that my customers think I'm stupid because their horse is sick, what, whatever it is, mm -hmm. then go away and craft an offer that addresses those things. Go back and mirror, which is something you mentioned, say what they said and give yeah. it to them. But that was his key thing was, and I think it is for a lot of people, they think when they're selling, they're asking for something. Answer. I think most of us are uncomfortable. Well, they don't want to take my call because they know I'm just a lousy salesman. I want something. I'm going to take their time. That's right. And anyway, so exactly what you said, similar, similar story. And by the way, that guy's doing real well. I don't know all his numbers or anything. <laughs> it made all the difference. I have a purpose and it's to find out five things on each side. That's my purpose. And uh -huh. people respond to it. I yeah, want to, really I, I love this concept and I think it's so good because it, it's very, it aligns with so many things that we've talked about in the past, Martin, from, you know, a positioning document, setting expectations. I like what you said with having that roadmap conversation of, Hey, this is what's going to happen. And 100%. You know, all that, all that stuff's great. Head trash. So many things that we've talked about before. Carl, if I, if I want to have these conversations, but I'm struggling to just get the conversations. Like I know I'm the, I, I always think of the commercial, we were just talking to someone yesterday, Martin, the commercial contractor who is looking to get more commercial opportunities. It's, it's different. Um, a lot of times you're not dealing with just a homeowner you can knock on their door. You're dealing with a property management company and there's six people that are managing all the different properties. You're dealing with the insurance agent, um, as someone who owns buildings and they're well off and they try to keep themselves at a distance from having sales conversations. How can you get in the door more easily to have these iceberg selling conversations? Yeah. With commercial. With, yeah, on the commercial right. side. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just in those yeah. kind of environments where it's hard. There's a lot of gatekeepers. There's a, a hard way to get to the decision makers. I'm going to share some brainstorms and then I'm also going to mention there's four mindsets in the book. So I just okay. kind of talked about in the first 30 minutes, there's like these five best practices to actually what I call iceberg sell. And we just discussed okay. that, but there's some four mindsets that I think kind of are like, you know, if you're going to run a marathon, these are the things you do to train before you run the marathon. Like these are mm -hmm. the, the, the things that are going to like help you no matter what, just be more fit, 
And so we're, we're probably going to touch on a couple of those mindsets, but think of those things as like ways to kind of create more muscle, more conditioning so that when you do go out, you're ready to go. Yeah. Uh, the first is this mindset of lifetime value. And I will get to what you said, but I, I want to kind of turn this concept of lifetime value and the second one, which is always being of service. I'm going to bundle them together and we're going to kind of talk about this because the, my, my understanding of kind of selling in the commercial space is it's an always ever. It's not a one-off. There's always going to be work. And so with that kind of uh, scenario, if you will, I, I really would invite people to not think about just the next deal. I'm going to tell a story that kind of mm. hopefully explains this a little bit. Um, one of the sectors I, I do a lot of work in and have for a long time is the live events industry. So if you've ever been to a conference, these are the guys with the cameras and they mic you and the lights, and they're the ones that make the magic happen that day. Well, what's nice about events is they're every year, right? Annual, our annual shareholders meeting and our annual kickoff, right? Quarterly, whatever. So they have the same concept that there's always, once you find a buyer, there's always a need for them to buy. So I'm yeah. trying to kind of draw that parallel. So I'm running a sales meeting with about five sales guys. And uh, part of a sales meeting, and, and this might be a, a good pro tip, is if you have other people selling for you, your sales meetings can kind of be more like a working session. How do we get into action in this meeting as a team? So we're all there having this working session. And I said, who's got a deal that's stuck? This guy raises his hand. So what's going on? He goes, well, I met this meeting planner. Meeting planners buy this service. They're the buyer. And they have a meeting planning company. They'd be perfect for us. Like we could do a ton of deals forever. I said, okay, how'd it go? Well, we've met, we met at this group. We email back and forth. I, I really think I've got report. It seems like they could be a good fit. Super, what's the problem? Well, she sent me an RFP and I answered it and I haven't heard back and it's been three weeks. So I kind of go to the team. Well, what would you all do? And they give you the typical check. Have you, have you texted her and said, do you have any questions? Have you emailed her and said, just checking in, you know, have you decided, you know, the stuff where it's kind of like low value and you start to feel needy. And, and mm -hmm. this is when you start to go, I don't want to be this guy. So I said to this guy, I said, Hey, are you playing for the event or the relationship? Didn't take him real long. He said the relationship. I said, okay. The other mindset is being of service. How am I always of service? And being of service isn't just Johnny on the spot. Hey, do you need me? Do you need me? It's like truly understanding someone's world and meeting them there. So I said to this salesperson, I said, uh, do you have any event pictures of other events? Do you have any favorite venues where you, you've seen like people have really successful events? I said, yeah. I said, why don't you send her an email or give her a call and be like, hey, sending you some photos of this event we did recently. Hopefully there's some inspiration for some of your events as you start to plan next year. And I intentionally said next year because I wanted that meeting planner to not think, oh, he's trying to get my event right now. He's trying to be of service to me for that lifetime value. And once he had that aha, it took all the pressure of like, God, I got to close. I got to close. I got to close. And therefore I start showing up kind of desperate or we get in our heads and it reframed it to be, what are the things that I can do to constantly build value? And so I'm going to take that example and apply it to this commercial example. You know, maybe you're meeting these folks at networking events or chamber events, or maybe it's a referral in, right? Like some guy you used to work with moved from this company to the next, and he's willing to take you out to lunch with one of the project managers. There's probably something like that in, in this world. I would just say when you meet that person, 
don't say, hey, would you have anything coming up right away? Try to just do that iceberg thing. What is their life like? What's the company yeah. going to be doing in the next 12 months? What are the challenges? Are they having tough time staffing? Maybe they're having tough, tough time staffing and you know somebody looking for a job and you can now help, help put somebody in that company. Right? But it's just changing our mindset that we're playing for lifetime value. We're trying to show up in different ways to create value other than just solving their immediate need. That's yeah. wonderful. No, that, that is great. I think it's, what's the saying? Um, shortcuts lead to dead ends. You know, yeah. like uh, I think just not playing for the deal never really suits the long-term. And I think the more long-term mindset you have in business, the, the better you're going to have, the more success you're going to have. And I think, uh, Martin, we, we talk about this all the time. It's really the reason why you're only looking for the deal oftentimes is because you're under a lot of stress because you have to get this deal to fund the next job because you have to get this deal to meet payroll. And so if the, the more you can have a long-term approach in all areas of, you know, not just taking money out of the business, not just trying to win the job right now, um, you know, not making short-term decisions, but making long-term decisions, the better you're going to be able to do things like this and take a always be of service mindset. Um, you know, yeah. that I, I love that because I was trying to think, you know, we, I mentioned just in passing, we were going along, always be closing, you know, the movie, yeah, mm -hmm. coffees for closers, sure always do. be of service because oh. always be closing. Ain't, ain't going to do it. Ain't gonna well, do it. I, and Martin, you probably like this one. I, I was talking to Chris Griffin the other day. He was on our show. Uh, he said, always Event be billing. Guy. Always be billing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of times people wait 60 days to invoice or whatever. It's like, yeah, that's your problem. That's an, that's an internal facing uh, yes, mantra. Yes, that's an internal phrase. Hey guys, quick break from the show. I just wanted to mention, please, please go and subscribe to us and follow our show. We'd really appreciate the support. We've got a YouTube channel that you can subscribe to. We've got an Instagram account you can follow, a Twitter account you can follow, a LinkedIn account that you can follow. And we have a newsletter where we send you our episodes and even resources directly to your inbox. We'd love to have you in there. Just go to the show notes. You can find links to all those things below. Back to the episodes. I had a guy talk to me about it, and I've done this before. When people call me about coaching, I mean, I just do not worry about it. I just... There's a reason you called something painful or you got an ambition. What is it? Help me see your dream. And they do. They'll tell you. And honestly, it's almost always the same, you know, more time as our, for our more free time, less stress, you know, more money, delegate, all these kind of things. But the guy says, tried this one time. I said, what are five things you know you should be doing that you're not doing? And they list five things. I go, of those, which would have the biggest impact today? You know, most important to you now. They named one. I said, well, let's go do that. <laughs> and they go, you're hired. That's great coaching, but it's true. It's well, true. it's just like, what's bothering you, man? Let's. And then as you get to know them and you see things that maybe uh, their, their level of business expertise doesn't cover their financials, which we talk about all the time, where you can show, you can teach, you know, but- they come in with, they go, well, these five things I know I ought to be doing. Which one's the most important? This one. Well, how about we get started on that? Yeah, good idea. All came 100% from them. I, I have a similar like kind of little mantra where I, I play this game and I say, hey, who's your best customer? 
you know, who would be your best customer? And sometimes you're like, well, I don't really know. And I go, okay, imagine you just got on a plane and you're in a first class seat and it's going to be a beautiful flight. I don't want you to think about that. It's a beautiful flight. You're in a beautiful seat. And the next best customer sits down next to you and goes, gosh, I love talking to people on flights. And they, they've invited you to have a conversation. Who is that person? And sometimes they'll go, oh, I know exactly who it is. It's Mary Beth that, ah, blah, 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 blah. And I'll be like, guess what my next question is going to be? <laughs> you know, like, why haven't yeah. we talked to Mary Beth? Like, why haven't we reached out to try to talk to her if you already yeah. know who that person is? Mm-hmm. And if you don't, great exercise to be like, oh, wait a minute. I, you know, where can I put some intentional focus back to what you said? Like, what's that one person? What's that one account? What's that one thing that I put my energy toward? And if I'm successful, it has a big leverage or fulcrum effect, right? It right. amplifies things. Yeah. Yeah, so like, you said you said there were four mindsets. I know we covered yeah. the lifetime value mindset and the being of service yeah. mindset. Did we cover the other two? Did I miss them or no? Didn't. That's okay. So what are they? Them yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm writing them down and I haven't got anything written down yet. Good catch. Good catch. Weren't going to let me get away with that, were you? Okay. No. So here we go. No. Um, the next two, I kind of, they're similar. And so sometimes I bundle them a little bit. So as you're listening, you might go, wait, they kind of sound the same. That's okay if they do. It's the message. And I want you to grab onto it and at least play with in your mind. So the third one is an ownership mindset. And what I mean by that is, you know, do you have an ownership mindset that you are accountable for your own success? Do you have, do you believe that you have the responsibility and power to have your own success? So for me, um, you know, you are your own leader. It's up to you to make it happen. And, you know, sometimes people go, well, yeah, I'm the owner of the company. I think that way. Okay, but do you think that way about revenue and growth and that you can have the life that you want? Or do you feel more like a victim or a passenger? Think your business is happening to you versus you're happening to your business. Hmm. So once you kind of reestablish, wait a minute, I'm the captain of the ship. I can sail it wherever I want to go. Then more possibilities happen, right? And that gets to the next mindset, which is called drivership mindset. And that's really like getting in action once you have the realization that you can be the master of your own life, you're master of your own business. And the, and the, and the, the thing with drivership mindset is, you know, do you want to be a passenger or do you want to be a driver? Passenger maybe gets to, you know, roll down a window and change the station on the radio, but that's about it. You know, if I'm in sales, I want to be a driver. Yeah. I want to drive what I think is right. I want to advocate for myself. I want to get into action. And so, you know, the, the story I give is if, if like, let's say, let's say you, um, you're selling to a homeowner just cause I'm in that world sometimes. And, you know, uh, you had a great meeting, you emailed them the proposal. We can talk about that in a minute, but you emailed them the proposal and you were going to talk with them in a week and you're, you're, you're like, gosh, you know, I just was at another, another customer and, uh, they have a beautiful kitchen. I'm going to take some pictures of this and I'm going to send it to this other person because it's of service. Great. Do that, right? Be the driver. Keep thinking, how am I going to keep creating value instead of, oh, well, I guess I meet them in two weeks. I shouldn't send it. Well, if you're, if you're adamant, this would inspire somebody or be a value, then be the driver and make it happen. Right. Um, so, so ownership is like this realization that you are responsible for your own success. And drivership is like, I'm actually going to do something about it. I don't want to just sit and wait for the ball. I'm going to go to the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. I, so I don't want people to be confused with sales because all four of these mindsets are absolutely wonderful mindsets to live by and to have as a human being. Um, to play the long game with a lifetime value mindset, 
to always be of service to those around you. You're going to be happier and you're going to feel more fulfilled to have an ownership mindset and take accountability for your actions and your situation and to try to get out of it. And then a drivership, <clears throat> a drivership mindset to just get out of it, to take action, to, to start executing and not just sitting, right? It's getting off the couch to go run. It's showing up to work early to get uh, to work on your business, not just in it. It's yep. going and being present with your family and taking action, right? So these are, I mean, wonderful principles to live by and a mindset to have just in general. Givers. I think the one question I have is, you know, as a business owner, sometimes it's not really, you have these mindsets, but you're struggling to get it into your team. You're struggling right. with the sales people to have these, these, you know, ownership mindsets, for example. Um, I, I hear this with roofers all the time. You can't find guys to knock doors anymore. You know, nobody wants to do it. And maybe you can find them to, we were talking to somebody just the other day, Martin, about they want 50% of the net profit on a job as a salesperson, but they don't want to do ordering of the materials and be the project manager of the job they just sold. They just want to get the contract signed and say, see you later. And that's really not what should be happening in the, in the roofing space. So how do you instill these mindsets into your team into individuals uh, that are doing the sales process. Yeah. Uh, I'll kind of walk you through a couple from simple to more complex. Uh, and it's, I'm going to tell a very brief story, but it's exactly what you said like two or three minutes ago. So I, I'm working in this company that's like in the wood product business. They make like pellets for stoves and stuff like that, just to kind of keep it general. Yeah. And I've got a room of about 20 people, sales, sales people. And I, I present iceberg selling. I give everybody a book, a book's super easy to read. It's on audible too. So that's going to be my, my, one of my recommendations is if, if you, if you have a team that you want to get inspired, let them listen to the book, you know, download the PDF or whatever. It's, it's a simple, fast read. And it's, it's a great reference point too. So I, uh, it's kind of a shameless plug, but I, I'm just trying to tell you, it's like, it's, it's built to kind of help people have these ahas. So I do this presentation to this group and at the end, I kind of, I like to do a checkout. So oftentimes if you're running meetings, here's another tip and your meeting, what are we, what did we learn? What's one thing you learned today and you're excited about? And what's one thing you wish we would have talked about next time. And if you start running your sales team like that, what you're doing is you're starting to empower them. You're starting to listen to them and, and you're giving them the tools they need to keep going. So that's just kind of on the side over here is like a, a, something that you might want to consider. But at the end of the meeting, I have everyone check out and I, I swear this guy uh, stands up. And he goes, Carl, um, this was great today, but I got to tell you, this is life lesson stuff. <laughs> this is going to help me with my family and my relationship with my son and my wife. And I really appreciate this. So the reason I tell you that story is back to being an owner. If you've built a company where your team knows they, that you care about them, you want, that, want what's best for them, that you're aligning your values and their values and the outcome for your business and their outcome, you're aligned then they're going to see anything that you do that support them as helping them on that journey to be the best they can be. And so it might literally just be that you're helping them have aha moments, right? One of the things that this book starts with is what are you playing for? Why did you get into this job? Because sales is amazing, right? We make payroll, we put presents under the tree, we're the fuel of the economy, like for real, for real. So I like to ask anyone in sales when I first start working with them or if I'm running a session, why are you in sales? What, what did you want out of your life? It's usually independence. I don't want to have a cap on what I want to make. I like freedom. I want to bet on myself. So that's our bridge as leaders to say, if that's what you want, 
then let's talk about all the things we can do to help you get there and let's get there together. And so that's training, managing, coaching, um, looking at your team as people that really believe in your vision and they want to be there and they see that you're going to collaborate and move toward that. It's a team. It's a team-based mindset of being of service, kind of like we talked about before. So without that sounding like a shortcut, that's, I think, the core DNA of this. The rest is probably based on your team and your individual situations, but it's about committing to it and getting them to see where you want to go, getting them to commit and recommit, and then realize that we're going to change our culture to learn from each other and get clear. You know, it's so much, everything we're talking about, it's about other people. What do they want? How can I help? And it, to talk about the abundance mindset, it is just absolutely a fact. If you give, it will come back. Not, oh, if I do this, I'll do this if you do that. Uh, anybody who's married knows you, that doesn't really work really well, right? Well, I'll do the dishes if you'll do, no, 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 no. I'll do the dishes. Yeah. And maybe you're, it's unrequited for a while, but eventually it'll come back. I have to tell a story real quickly. Uh, probably five, six years ago, uh, a new coach who had been certified by somebody found my name and called me up and said, could I talk to you about coaching? I said, sure. I don't even know. They weren't in my town, but I don't know where they were. And it was a lady. And she said, I have one main question. How do you convince people to do business with you without giving away the secret sauce? Mm. I said, well, right there. Number one, I never even think about convincing somebody to do business with me ever that always turns out bad. And I said two, eh, pretty hard to say that there's a secret sauce, but here's what I do. If I, you, anybody can talk to me in the world, call me, you got 20 minutes, which usually be an hour if you want it. I will tell you the best advice I can possibly give you. I will give you the best I've got to address what you've told me about. And you may want to do business with me, in which case, hey, great. Or you may go out and use my secret sauce and succeed without me. And hey, great. What's more rewarding than have somebody thrive because of something you told them? Doesn't usually work that simply, but I, I said, really I don't I don't care. I mean, yeah. I I need clients and stuff to, but it, it just, I would tell anybody the absolute best I have anytime I for free. And she goes, wow. I go, there you go. <laughs> and I, I don't, I haven't talked to her since. So maybe she went out of business. I don't know, but she is new. I, yeah, I'm not holding back anything. Give, 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 give. And besides that, if you give them some sophisticated stuff, they're not generally going to be able to just go out and do it. Right. But if they are more power to so. Yeah, Can I yeah that, that idea. Can I address the really quickly that roofer scenario? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So oftentimes, like the story you told is there's a salesperson, and there's things they don't want to do. And we're like, okay, well, they should be doing this other thing. And I, I got I to kind of put this out there, someone to just consider. If we started to see that salesperson as an iceberg, what is it? Why won't they do those things? Right? What is it about the other things that bother them? And maybe it's that they're not trained and they feel like they're going to make a mistake. Maybe they worked at another company and they did make mistakes and somebody made them pay for it. They lost their job. We don't know their story. Right. We don't know what's under that 10%. And so there was probably a reason you hired them. 
and there, and, and maybe that was based on the 10%. Maybe once you see the other 90, you're like, this isn't a fit. We've got to like get them out of the organization, but maybe possibility wise, there's something deeper. And as a leader, manager, coach, however we want to say we are in our own businesses, if we can start to uncover those icebergs of all the people around us on our sales team, we may very well unlock what they need to be more successful. And then that allows you to have more financial stability. You're less micromanaging, you know, you're delegating more because we're all aligned. And so there's usually some hint there. If somebody's telling you there's a thing they don't want to do, it's, it's kind of like the dish. You mentioned dishwasher and it triggered me. Like, you know how many times I've been told I load the dishwasher wrong a lot, but guess what? It's not, it's not that I'm loading it wrong. There's something else going on. And that's usually my internal uh, kind of trigger when I'm with my wife, there's something we need to talk about. Right. It's just showing up in the dishwasher. Yeah. Maybe you've. Yeah. But you also need to learn how to do it. Right. <laughs> uh, good. No, I think, I think with a lot of, um, I think the most common things I see in construction, cause I work with a lot of, of teams on the construction side that it, some of them are doing sales or marketing. And a lot of times it's either they, you know, they're selling to someone who's at a higher status than them. So, you know, in the commercial service sales, for example, you know, they're, they're just selling, um, you know, a service like fire suppression systems where they've got to sell sprinklers and fire hydrants and whatever, but they're dealing with a property manager and they feel like, you know, I'm just the contractor. I'm a service guy. They're a higher position than me. And so they feel inferior. There's head trash there. I think on the roofing side, there's kind of this, I don't want to, I don't want to knock doors all day or I don't want to knock doors the rest of my life, right? And so there, there's this eagerness to get out of it, right? And they feel like it's a demeaning task to go and knock doors and to be cussed out for walking on someone's grass or to be knocking at a weird hour of the day or to, you're not climbing on my roof. And so they, they don't like dealing with that. And so I think those are the common things, but it's literally the most impactful thing you can do to make money as a roofing salesperson is to knock as many doors as you can each day. Like it's just proven there's, that's the best right. thing you can do. So it's, I, I think that's the, the toss up for them, right? You know, for our listeners too, Khalil, uh, we're talking, that sounds residential on the commercial Correct. side. And uh, Carl, to your point, the people who are gatekeepers, property managers, maybe general contractors, uh, architect, I mean, a church DSCs, you know, they want something too. And you can go in and say, hey, I would like the opportunity to bid your jobs. What they want is a fair price. They want somebody that's dependable. If the gatekeeper makes a decision about the roofing contractor, they want to know, they don't want to get shafted and look bad. So you go in and present, but you find out what matters to them and go present and say, I would like the opportunity to bid. I say that all the time. Commercial stuff we don't like so much because the computer makes the decision you know, which number's lower. And that's not entirely true, but pretty much. Well, how can you go out there and find opportunities where there is a relationship somewhere in there? Somebody doesn't want to look stupid. Someone who wants to look smart and responsible and they want to partner in that. So you go in and just begin to do that. Start showing up, look for the opportunities to bid, bid some, and then you get one and that can multiply because of relationships and all that. So not correcting anything, I just our, our listeners on that. Yeah, the same opportunities, everything you're talking about, apply to the commercial side 
but it's not, you don't get to, your relationship probably isn't as valuable. It's not as ready, readily created as it is with a homeowner who can just pay double if they want to. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there is a relationship and they do want something. If you find out what it is, that's what you show them that you do. You know, the other piece there is how can you proactively turn that around? Like, let's just say there's a, a church, you know, right. Or a building, you know, and, and, and as a professional, you, you know, it's in the next couple of years, there's probably something that's going to be needed. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not saying you put all your eggs in one basket, but if you kind of think about, Hey, I'm going to have my right now, my six to 12 months and my, I'm playing for these big accounts that if I, if I'm in this job for the next two or three years could be like really huge for me. And you know, it's a good time to drop by. I'm just here to introduce myself. My guess is you're not going to need a new roof for three or four years or whatever it might Mm -hmm. be, right? I'm intentionally trying to oversimplify it, but you just don't know what's going to happen, that possibility. And it also changes you as a person, right? Coming to introduce myself. I'm coming to learn. I'm coming to drop by this thing that might be of value to you someday. And it's not not like this stuff works 100% of the time all the time. But wouldn't it be really interesting, even if the bid went through a computer process, if somebody actually called you and said, hey, you know, we've been talking for years. I finally have this coming up. Unfortunately, it's this kind of sterile process. But I want you to know that whatever that computer spits out, we're still going to evaluate one-to-one. And Mm -hmm. I'd really like one of the bidders. That changes everything, right? And 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 I'm talking big stuff. Like if if we're talking multi-million dollar type deals. Start doing that now so you're not reactive later when it is time to bid and you're, you're like, right. oh, wow, guess what? I, they, they found us, you know, try to get ahead of it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think uh, I, I'd love to get into some really practical things in terms of running a sales team. Um, Great. I think most of our listeners are doing sales themselves, but also maybe have one or two people that are doing sales as well. Um, maybe they've got more, but what are some practical, like, just everyday things that you can do as a sales manager, essentially. When you're the business owner, what are things that you can be doing to support your sales staff, to help them grow, to help them have these four mindsets? What does it look like day to day? Is it how many meetings do you do? Are there one-to-ones? Are there resources that you provide them with? What does that look like? Yeah. I think it's going to depend a little bit on your flavor of how you like to manage and lead, but I'd like to first help you try to change your mindset from being a manager to being a leader or a coach. Right. And I want you to not about micromanaging, but like, this is your football team and you're the coach and your job is to, you know, Hey, this guy's not throwing well. I'm going to get him a, you know, a coach to to, a pitching coach or whatever. I know I just switched analogies on you, but (laughs) like, the point is like, I see myself as a coach constantly making this team better. And, Mm. you know, if, if we go back to football, what happens, right? There's huddles, then there's, you know, when you switch from offense to defense and they're talking, right? And then you've got every quarter and then you've got a halftime. And then after the end of the game, you're, you're, you're watching game tape and then you're watching tape before the next team, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's that same mentality as like, how can we coach in micro moments as well as halftime and well as at the end of the game? Yeah. And get us into this mindset that we're, we're going to, yes, we're all individuals, but we're going to win together as well. And so I think some of it is like, just a mindset of like, I'm building a team and teams win together. Like Super Bowls aren't won by one person, right. usually. <laughs> I don't want to get into that conversation. But, but you <laughs> get like you get the point. Like we've yeah. got to change our mind that I'm building a team and the team wins together. And that's how we do it. And so how do you do that? 
probably depends on your business and, and your style. But certainly you could you could be like, hey, I want everybody to to listen to this audiobook. Once a month, we're listening to an audiobook. You guys all drive throughout the day. We're all going to listen to this one audiobook. It's Atomic Habits. We're going to listen to Atomic Habits and we're going to talk about it in our sales meeting each week. What's, what's one, what, how can you be 1% better each week? Like we're going to do something like that. So you've given them something that works within their environment because they're driving around everywhere and you're, you're, you're telling them we're going to start to create accountability that we're going to meet once a week or every other week. We're going to talk about this for 10 minutes. That also applies to how we manage our pipeline, right? Depending on the tools they have, it might be changing how we're meeting. Every week, bringing in burritos, we're going to get up early and I want you to run through the top three deals that are stuck. Stuck looks like A, B, and C. And we're going to solve it as a team. So now we get used to learning and we're compressing the learning cycle, right? Like we're getting down that learning curve faster because we're learning from what you did and I did and he did. And so it's, it's, it's changing us from, we're just looking at KPIs and what are you doing today? And did you follow up with this lead to how do I activate these guys to be empowered and excited and learn from each other and create that accountability and action on a routine, whether it's once a month, once a week, every morning in a stand-up, a stand-up call where we're talking as we're all driving to the next location. But it, it's, about, it's about getting them coached and excited in my opinion. And yeah, you need some KPIs and goals for sure. But I feel like those come later. I want to win the hearts and minds of my team before mm. I start to go, did you do this? Did you do this? Like, cause if we're not aligned and playing the same game at the same time, moving the ball down the field, the KPIs don't matter as much. Yeah. No, I, I love that. I think the hearts and minds is so critical and that's why a vision matters. That's why a culture matters. That's why having values matters. Uh, because when you win the hearts and minds, you can really influence what actions are taken on a day-to-day -day basis. You can influence the direction of things much easier than if you are like, hey, you didn't do this, or you didn't meet your quota, or right. why, why aren't you in the office on time, right? And your, your jobs are a mess, you know, we're getting complaints from the customers. When you have the hearts and minds, it's much easier. You don't have to worry about those things as much. Um, the, there's more of a, a buy-in towards where we're headed as a team. Um, so good. And I, I think, you know, I'm a coach myself, uh, soccer coach, so sports coach. Um, and I think what I always try to do pregame speech, halftime, all that stuff, I'm always focused on motivation. How can I influence the motivation of this team and even have a narrative to each individual game. What is the narrative here? Where 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 are we gonna be thinking about like where we're headed? Not necessarily, I'll give tactics, but I'm never giving more than one or two points of emphasis. Very clear points of emphasis that are like, I can remember it. Like they'll be able to be on the field and say, hey, what did we talk about? Like this and this, right? But other than that, I'm giving a narrative about where are we headed? What are we trying to accomplish? Why does this game matter? Et cetera, et cetera. And I think that it, it wins the hearts and minds. So that's, that's a, I love that. There's, there's a trick I want to share as a sales manager because um, it's called the hat trick. And okay. it started this way. Like when my kids were really young, um, I have two boys, they're in high school now. When they were really young, I loved to play with them. I was like a big brother. Well, big brothers can't necessarily get their kids to brush their teeth, right? Because I'm, I'm the playmate, I'm the fun one, right? 
So I started to kind of, once they were probably four or five, I was like, hey, I need to tell you what my job is. Like, what do you mean? I was like, my job as your father is to make you the, help you be the best human being you can be. And there's going to be some times where like, I'm going to have to tell you stuff to do as long as I can play. And they're like, okay. And I was like, but they're five, right? Like, that's a lot. So I was like, guess what? There's going to be some times where I can put the big brother hat on. We're going to play Legos and Hot Wheel cars and be stupid. And there's other times where I'm going to have to put my dad hat on because remember, my job is to make you the best you can be. Mm. And I want you to make sure you brush your teeth because you're going to be healthy if you do that. Yeah. And so it's over the years, now that my kids drive, it's like, hey guys, I got to put my dad hat on. It's Friday night. And you're going out with your friends. Like I'm, I intentionally need to go through this checklist to make sure you're safe. Right. And they're like, yeah, dad, I get it. How does that apply to being an owner? Well, I would imagine many of you listening, your friends work with you, right? Your friends are some of your employees. And so they, 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 this kind of management or leadership area gets really blurred and people don't know where we are when we talk to them, right? Like, hey, we were just talking about our kid's soccer game and about drinking beers. And now you're telling me that I don't fill out my paperwork correctly. Like that's a lot to kind of switch. Yeah. So it just, then if you, if you are that owner, be able to say, you know, hey, Carl, I got to put my owner hat on right now or my sales leader hat on right now and talk to you. Can you meet me there? Yeah, I, I, got, I got a card. You need to talk business. Great. You know, this account we just did, all the paperwork was wrong. It's costing us $5,000. Can we talk about how we can solve this so this doesn't ever happen again? The guy knows where I am and he can meet me there, right? So I would just kind of say, sometimes we're like, well, how do we do all this stuff? I got to put my motivated hat on. I'm going to put my soccer coach hat on and we're going to go win this game. Okay, cool. I'm on. It's that type of thing. Helping your teammates understand where you are so they can meet you there too. Yeah. Man, so good. Um, I think there's a lot to take away from this episode and a lot that our audience can learn from it. Um, obviously, you've got Iceberg Selling, but you've got some other books as well, right? I do. What are those? I do. So uh, I'll kind of tell you my journey. Um, and this has been a great talking with you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my first book was called Set Up to Win. And it's very much like foundational work of, of building a sales organization. And it's the stuff that you, you probably talk about, right? It's, um, you know, what's our value? What's our promise to our customer? Who do we really sell to? What's their journey like? How do I meet them where they are along the way they're making decisions? And it, and it talks about somebody called a change agent. And, and really the idea there is if we're going to start to redesign our sales organization and the book set up to win, it starts to tell you how to be that change agent. And, and actually the, the story of the hat trick comes from that book. Um, that book also has a, a really fun story about baseball and catching a baseball. And the whole concept there is if you want to catch a baseball at a major league game, there's things you can do, right? You're going to sit in a certain place. You're going to bring your mitt. You're probably in the home team's jersey. You might bring kids because baseball players love kids in case they toss one up. But the point is, um, in that story, and, and the reason I say that is I've, I've caught five baseballs by doing this. And the whole idea is like chance favors the prepared. A lot of little things create success. And that whole book is about a lot of little things, right? Like, what can I do to sit in the right place? That might be how clear is my value, right? Do I bring kids with me? That might be like part of my sales process. Like, what do I do to increase my odds? So that's the first book. The second book is sales and marketing alignment. And the whole idea there is Oftentimes, sales and marketing teams don't talk to each other. And sales is the eyes and ears of your organization. They have all this incredible data, but a lot of times it doesn't get to marketing. And so we get these leads as salespeople that we say aren't very qualified and we don't know what to do with. And then marketing gets all upset and round and round we go. 
And so that book is really exploring how do you get these two teams to work together? How do you have shared mm. meetings? So there's a feedback loop and we're supporting each other and aligning each other. And then the third book is Iceberg Selling, which we talked about. That's great. I love it. Um, Thank you. Those are really cool books. We'll link to both of those in the show notes and then your website. What's your business called? Yeah, my, my company is Improving Sales Performance. Okay. ImprovingSalesPerformance.com. And then Iceberg Selling also has its own URL. So if you just type in IcebergSelling.com, you can find that book as well and, and the audio version and stuff like that. Excellent. We'll have those in there. Um, man, any final thoughts, Martin, that we have before we head out? No, this is this is great stuff. And uh, my my major takeaway is it ain't about you. It ain't about getting a sale. It's about them. Yeah. And you can, whoever's listening, if it's noon and you're driving somewhere, you can start when you get there. Yeah. Just want to know. It, it's just all about them. But this is great stuff. I'm going to have to get the all three books. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. Man, Carl, it's been great. I, I, I hope our audience checks you out even further and so much to learn from you. Appreciate all the wisdom that you've shared with us and um, we'll definitely take a lot of these things to heart. So yeah, thank you. This has been a blast. I really appreciate what you're doing yeah. too and the message you bring to everybody. It's really good stuff. Powerful. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Cashflow Contractors. Hope that you enjoyed that episode with Carl Becker. Just a wonderful, refreshing guy. And I know, I know I've left the conversation feeling motivated. I hope you do as well. Please go and check him out. Follow his his uh, social media accounts and go buy his book, his audio book. Listen around. I'm sure it's going to be just as refreshing as this conversation was with us. Uh, also, please subscribe. Don't leave this episode without sharing it with somebody, without subscribing to our channel. Support us as much as you can. We love doing what we do and all of your support helps. So uh, if you have a question, anything like that, our email is in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you. But yeah, I hope you have a great week that you find less stress, more time, and more money in your business. Thanks for listening to The Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.